You're listening to the Built Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. The fall sports season is here, and our Midco Sports team has it covered with live college and high school football and volleyball, plus the return of Day by Day, our award-winning web series on Fighting Hawks football. If you don't have Midco Cable, no problem. Catch all of our coverage on our official app, Midco Sports Plus, by signing up today at midcosportsplus.com. This is how we do sports, and this is the Bill Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast, episode 95 in the long storied history of this fine audio production alongside you and the athletics director, Bill Shaves. I'm Alex Seinert. We're taping this on a Wednesday morning, 9 o'clock Central Time on the 8th of September. Bill, good morning to you. How you doing, Alex? Post-Labor Day edition, right? You can't wear white anymore. Moving on. Moving on to the fall. Feels feels like yeah, Bill's got a black <laughs> Bill's got a black quarters upon today. So he's he's uh taking that advice to heart, the fashion advice of the world. Um yeah, feels like fall. I mean, it really a beautiful day. September is a great month. It every, everything that goes with it with all the new things happening with new classes and new fall sports back in the swing and it's it's beautiful temperatures. It's really one of the best times of the year. And we're playing games, Alex. You know, we're, we're doing competition and a little bit different this year than um, than last year. You know, I was talking to our senior staff and, you know, last year we we questioned, you know, were you going to play games? And uh, I think this year we're in a little bit different space where because of the vaccinations and because of, uh, I'll say, students, uh being vaccinated in some way, shape or form, not all, but, but I would say a good majority from a percentage standpoint gives you the opportunity to actually play games. Now you may not play with everyone. Let's just call it on your roster per se. Um, But I think that's different than where we were last year, where it felt like when you had a positive um, it kind of knocked schools out from playing games. Does that make sense? No, I think so. And I think that's well said. I think the mindset is a little bit different this year. And the hope is you can yeah, get these games in. Maybe you won't be at full strength. And we've seen some of our teams have to go about that in the last couple of weeks. And certainly teams across the country experiencing those things. But like you said, because vaccination rates are, are up and are good and you've got a, the ability to sort of corral this a little bit more maybe than we did last year. There's a better better handle on things. feels like there's much more optimism that we're going to get through the majority of games this year, if not all, get through these seasons and keep moving forward towards normalcy. One of our favorite B-side topics, um, the Red Sox, um, they're the poster for continuing to play. And so, and they've dealt with a lot of issues in that regard. And we'd be silly to think that we're not going to be dealing with similar type of issues, but you plow on um, as long as you obviously have uh, enough on your roster in, in certain key positions, depending on the sport as well. So the other thing that's interesting is to get your head around this. And, and, and I think I'm continuing to get my head around it. It's a facility by facility um, situation or venue by venue, depending on where you are literally playing in the country too. And so depending on what their situation is in their local community, their venue might require different things to actually go see a game in it. And so, uh, you know, so we're playing, 
but also now it's almost like you need a spreadsheet of what it is you need to do to go into a various uh, facility. And we saw it this past weekend at Holt Arena. They did have mask requirements at Holt Arena. There were lots of signs up and around that building at Idaho State. Not everybody necessarily followed that, which I thought was interesting that there wasn't maybe, you know, the execution of, of that particular rule for people coming to UND events. Because this is now just around the corner. Volleyball has the UND Classic this weekend. We obviously just had cross country host a meet the other day. Football's first home game is in a week. What are What does it look like from a UND fan perspective when they come to our home events right now in terms of requirements to get in the doors? You know, probably to answer it simply, probably pre-pandemic. I think that's that's probably if you're thinking, you know, what what are we doing right now? But I always always say stay tuned. I mean, you, you don't know, you know, what's going to transpire. But in talking with Jody and Anna, um, I would say, you know, the mental side of it for folks walking in would be more on the pre-pandemic side. But, uh, you know, but when you go on the road um, and, and potentially watch us uh, play, there might be different uh, requirements uh, for you to attend a game, especially if it's inside versus outside. And, uh, you know, it just uh, literally venue by venue. I think that's, that's the, that's the ticket right now. That's the thought process. Yeah. Stay tuned and stay in the know. And if you are going to travel with, with these teams, or obviously if you take in a game at home, maybe just double check, double check fightinghawks.com, see if there's a mask requirement, et cetera. And then you're just prepared, so you're not surprised when you get to the door and realize maybe it's it's going to be one way or the other. Lots of home events coming up. Lots of events, period, coming up, Bill. Fall sports season. We're going to do a little rundown of kind of what happened this past week because it was a busy week and a half or so since we potted last and set the table for what's coming up over the next week or two. Starting with football, we mentioned the trip to Pocatello, a great trip for North Dakota to go out and start the season off with a familiar opponent from the Big Sky, an Idaho State team that was a lot better, I think, than their record from the spring showed. And it was a good showing for UND, a 35-14 victory. Normal opening week mistakes here and there, and, and some things that I think Bubba Schweigert and the team would say they want to clean up. But still, your take on how this team played, a pretty good pretty good start to the 2021 fall campaign. Yeah, I thought they played pretty well. Um you know, uh, there's no doubt that Idaho State plays very well in Holt Arena, and they are uh, they're dangerous for sure. Um, to, they they uh, certainly pride themselves on, on scoring a lot of points, and they kind of get into those uh, track meets. And uh, we found a way to keep them to 14. And I thought the goal line stand in the first half was critical. And then uh, I, you know, a couple a couple other things that stuck out to me. Um, Tommy Schuster running the ball a little bit more this year. I think uh, he kind of loosened the defense up um, in that regard, which was awesome. And then I thought special teams was excellent um, to have seven touchbacks. I mean, that was uh, tremendous uh, just to not have to play that play for a lot of different reasons, right? Um, just to start in, and then you got to go 75. And I think our defense um, is good enough that it's going to be really challenging for, for teams to, to really, you know, uh, get after you unless they have, you know, big chunk plays at some point in time. But, you know, I thought those, those three things really, uh, contributed to us having a chance to win on the road, which we know, Hey, winning, winning anywhere is tough in that sport, but certainly winning on the road is really hard. 
Yeah, what a turnaround from the last time UND was out there. And and you could tell some of the guys, the older players on the team talked about their last trip to Pocatello and the 55-20 loss a couple of seasons ago and how that stuck with them. And even though it's a brand new team, they certainly addressed that. And in the locker room before the guys took the field, that was mentioned about how you know we need to come out and redeem that. Even though most of the guys have gone, that's not who we are as a program. And like you said, it felt like a game that UND didn't dominate, but I think was in control of, really. And it started right away. A turnover on the first possession. Hayden Galvin gets an interception, and UND scores a couple of plays later. And it felt like they were in control of the game from there. But as you mentioned, if the goal line stands, four stops in a row from the one-yard line at the end of the first quarter, the start of the second, if Idaho State scores, it's a 7-7 ball game. That's right. And the complexion of the game would have changed quite a bit. And so if it just felt like UND made the plays when they had to to stay in control of that contest. Yeah, even the you know, even at 27-14, you know, we had to uh, you know, uh, you know, we had a turnover and they could have uh, punched it in and made it 27-21 and then it then all of a sudden you're kind of, you know, you're kind of gripping it a little bit and you're just wondering, you know, you know what's going to happen uh, toward the end, but you know, I thought we did we we made significant plays when we needed to in different parts of the game to kind of close it out. And then of course, you know, scoring, uh, the final touchdown, uh, and then, uh, and then the final margin being three scores. I I mean, I, I agree with you. I was like a interesting game where it felt like we were in control, but, but it also had its chances to branch in a different direction if we didn't make a play or two. Yeah. And that's, I feel like the nature of this sport and the nature of any sport, but especially football, those big momentum plays, that shift games, and there were a number of them, and, and the majority went in North Dakota's favor. And it's uh, a testament to this team that they were able to rise to the occasion on those things. Great balance offensively. I think 185 yards on the ground, 183 through the air. As you said, Tommy Schuster was 14 of 18, incredibly efficient again, just doesn't make mistakes. Just a good player now in his second full season as a starter. And then defensively, they forced three turnovers. And you win the turnover battle by a plus two. It all adds up to a pretty solid win. And this team left that game, though, again, still hungry and still talking about how we want more. That was kind of the rallying cry in the spring. But they want a little more of their performance. And now they'll get a chance to test themselves on the road against an FBS team in Utah State. Coming off a huge win for them over Washington State. A come-from-behind win in the fourth quarter. New coaching staff there for the Aggies. It'll be a big event come Friday night now, a short week. On national television, great opportunity for UND again to try and go and do what a lot of other FCS schools did this past weekend and beat one of the big boys. Yeah, they had a uh, they came back uh, in Pullman and uh, and found a way to beat Washington State. I think they were kind of teetering on the edge of potentially uh, um, not winning that game and then uh, and found a way uh, to come back. So uh, new coaching staff there, um, uh, a coach. Um, uh, came from Arkansas State and uh, did a really nice job there. And so it, it'll be a challenge for sure. Again, another road game. Um, so obviously that's always challenging. You're right. Uh, CBS Sports Network, uh, eight, uh, 8 o'clock Central Time uh, will be kickoff uh, on Friday. So it'll be um, it'll be a challenge, but I think our guys will be excited about it. And, um, you know, I think it's a mindset for FCS schools, Alex. I mean, we saw some, uh, you know, teams – upset some FBS schools over the weekend, uh, or at least that first week of, of the full regular season. I know we had a week zero, but uh, certainly on week one, I love week zero, huh? It's just funny. Uh, so the, uh, so I'll just say that the, uh, but, but the week, the week one, I, I think it's a mindset 
going into these games. And I, I, I've been around um, programs and coaches that take certain mindsets in these, these games. And if you look at it as an unbelievable opportunity, um, you know, then, then you're just in the game. Then, then you just hope, you know, in that first quarter, I mean, uh, that you're, uh, you know, you get your sea legs and, and you go. And, uh, and so uh, we're excited about it. I've never been to Logan. I hear it's absolutely beautiful. So uh, knowing, uh, you know, uh, many trips that we made to Ogden, a uh, beautiful part of the country, uh, not too far away from Pocatello. Honestly, it's like 90 miles away. So, so it's kind of literally a wash, rinse, repeat trip. And so uh, uh, we're excited about it, you know, um, and it's great to be able to have uh, University of North Dakota uh, in, that, in that time slot, because certainly a lot of folks will uh, be tuning in. I know there's a couple games uh, that night, but uh, when there's only a couple, uh, people will be tuning in for sure. Yeah, it's exciting. Again, as, as you mentioned, 8, 8 o'clock Central Time, Friday night on CBS Sports Network. Most people in this part of the world are familiar with that because that's, of course, where the NCHC has its home for the game of the week on, on Friday nights over the course of the second half of the hockey season. But uh, an exciting challenge. It's UND's first FBS game since the trip to Washington back in 2018. This starts off a string now, though. This will be a normal thing, playing an FBS school, at least on the calendar, the next couple of years with Nebraska coming in 2022. Boise State in 2023 and so on and so forth. But the, the guys all mentioned it to, to, a, to a man. This is another game for them, but it's also a special game. And they're excited to have a packed house in Logan and to have that kind of atmosphere in a, a little bigger arena, bigger stakes. As we said, bigger spotlight because of the national television audience. It's a cool opportunity to get to do something pretty special and do something this North Dakota team did six years ago in Wyoming in 2015 to go on the road, get paid to maybe beat an FBS school. Pretty cool. Yeah, so I, I think so the structure of our scheduling and in a typical 11 game uh, season is you like to have five FCS home games and five FCS away games and potentially you have that FBS game and obviously that one's going to be on the road. Um, but I do think it, it provides the program tremendous opportunity. I, I really do. Um, you know, I, again, I, 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 it's not a best seven. And so no matter where you're going, it's one game, it's 60 minutes. Um, I think as we've seen FCS schools that have a chance uh, in the line of scrimmage, uh, to be able to sort of stay with whomever you're playing gives you a chance. And then then it really is a year by year proposition, you know, depending on who you're bringing back and, um, you know, and, and then who you're playing, uh, you know, sometimes you're able to just catch programs at the right time. And, uh, you know, for us, uh, you know, obviously Utah State with the new coaching staff, they're going to be excited about uh, playing game one under uh, um under a new regime. So, uh, so we'll have our work cut out for us for sure, but, but there'll be a, a lot of excitement for the guys uh, to be able to, uh, to play that, that night in front of uh, many folks that are sitting in hotels, uh, especially their peers waiting for their game on Saturday. There you go. Yeah. First meeting ever, by the way, between UND and Utah state on the gridiron should be a lot of fun. I would think, by the way, one last thing on this. We'll get to volleyball, cross-country, women's soccer. There's a lot of good stuff to talk about in a sec. But I would think that UND has to feel even a little extra heartened by seeing the likes of South Dakota State go out to Colorado State and, and really beat up on the Rams in that game and get paid to do it. And see 
South Dakota go and nearly beat Kansas and see Northern Iowa nearly beat Iowa State, who was ranked, and see all of these other, not just, F, you know, obviously Montana beating Washington on the road. I would think that those scores would resonate a little bit. If you did, obviously, I think this North Dakota squad has a lot of belief in themselves, and I think the spring success has lent to that, and certainly the success in week one has lent to that as well. But if you were even questioning like, well, I'm not sure if we, we haven't played a big school like this in a while. I would think that the success from this past week certainly can't hurt. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, but all the, all the cliches that you'd use going into a game is exactly that there's, but there's not probably there's, I'll call it less room for error. And, and so you've got to go in and I, I, you know, as, as best as you can try to play as clean a game, certainly from a turnover standpoint um, and, and just get into the flow. If you're, if you're in mid second quarter and you're kind of into it at that point, that's all you can ask for at that stage of the game, you know? And again, of course, I I mean, uh, you know, then there's an excitement if you can get into the second half and you're like in a one score game and away you go a little bit different. You're right. The Jackrabbits, I, I, they almost, they did, they imposed their will in the second half on Colorado state. And, you know, we've, they're, they're, they're a very good program. We've seen them firsthand. So we, we know what they can do. I I think the Valley um, is set up to play really anybody in the country. Um, and again, it, it's not uh, it, it's not a best of three. It's not a best of five. It's not a best of seven. It's one 60-minute game. But but we do have to go there and, and, uh, and really start that game clean. And, um, that, you know, the last thing you want to do is, is get behind a couple scores on the road, uh, you know, to an FBS school. So we, we've got to be really thoughtful early on. In the last handful of FBS games, UND has done just that. If you think about the Washington game, was close in the first half before the Huskies pulled away a bit in the third quarter. Utah the year before was the same story. That was nip and tuck really till the fourth quarter until the Utes started to pull away. Bowling Green the year before that, North Dakota nearly won that game. They were a two-point conversion away late from winning that game on the road. And then the year before that was Wyoming back in 2015 in which they not only were close but ended up pulling away and beating the Cowboys at home in the end. So great opportunity this weekend. Again, 8 o'clock Friday night, CBS Sports, North Dakota, Utah State, as UND looks to improve to 2-0 and in the fall 2021 season. Volleyball was on the road this weekend in Michigan. Really close loss, a five-set loss to Butler, a match where they nearly had that thing nip and suck and would have been undefeated against the Big East this year after beating, I believe, Seton Hall the week before. Close losses as well to Central Michigan and Youngstown, so they don't pick up a win out in Mount Pleasant. But Jeremiah Tiffin, though, had positive things to say about his team just continuing to grow along this you know, long season's path as they try and push themselves and get better here during the non-conference portion before Summit League play starts in a couple of weeks. Yeah, we said that last week, I think, or two weeks ago on the uh, on the pod, Alex. We, we just got so many new faces in that program that this um, pre-Summit League tournament's are going to be critical. Obviously you want to win every match you play. Um, and, you know, coming up this weekend, uh, at home, hopefully the, 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 uh, uh, familiar setting of the Betty will help, help, uh, our, our team as well, but you're right. Um, would have been nice to get the Butler match. Uh, you know, obviously going into set four up to one would have been nice to, uh, to close that one out, um, tight, tight set five. Um, and it just didn't go our way. So hopefully there's some experience, um, that this team has, uh, has garnered over the first two weeks and, uh, leads us to, uh, this weekend. UND Infight coming your way Friday and Saturday at the Betty. Drake in primetime on Friday night at 7 o'clock. Green Bay at 11 a.m. on Saturday. And then Montana at 7 p.m. 
on Saturday nights. Good opposition. I, I think Jeremiah Tiffin mentioned that Drake had their matches this past week wiped out, I think, because of some COVID issues. And so everybody across the country is still dealing with some of these things. But as you said, first home matches for this team and really the first matches that the freshmen or sophomores will have in front of a full home crowd ever because of the way things went last year. Girls are excited about the opportunity to play in front of a, a home stadium that always gets behind them so well. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's a uh, it's a fun environment. Um, you know, the Betty's the Betty's right sized. I mean, I, I, I think it's a great environment for uh, for our basketball teams and volleyball uh, program. And so, yeah, if you can get out, um, we've got some great teams coming in, um, some, some name brands that we're familiar with as well. And so, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be challenging, no doubt, but uh, we're at home and uh, let's, uh, let's give uh, this team uh, an incredible, uh, uh, you know, amount of support. Yeah. Really good opportunity to get back on the winning track. And again, UND has this home invite this weekend. They're on the road next weekend. They're back at home the following week. And then it's conference play already. So there's not all that many matches before things really get started. Kind of a different non-conference season, by the way, for volleyball. But we're used to seeing them kind of go all across the country or being gone for long stretches of time to the south, et cetera. This year, it's nice to have a couple more matches in their own backyard. It is, uh, you know, depending on the the year, sometimes you can go these, I'll call them pre-conference weekends. You could have, you could be out all, literally all over the country. And to be able to uh, uh, be here uh, for for a bit, I think will pay pay some dividends for us, no doubt about it. I was I was saying this on the uh, flight home um, uh, this past week. The football team's kind of in the same boat a little bit. After this week, kind of come home, which will be very uh, late slash early morning on Saturday. But the Spurs do play at 6.30. I will let you know that. The lead, the league-leading Spurs are uh, playing at 6.30, so I may not go to bed. But So there's that. The, um, but then, then our football team is home for a few weeks, and that, that will be helpful, uh, really helpful, playing Drake a bye week and then playing NDSU almost a month, Alex. I mean, there, there, there's something that, that will pay dividends down the road in that regard. It is wild how the schedule works out that way. Sometimes. I know. And by the way, I misspoke a little bit. Again, volleyball will go to Illinois for a tournament next weekend. And then and then they're home, but that is conference. I was thinking there was another non-conference game in there or two, but they'll play against Oral Roberts on September the 23rd in Kansas City on the 25th, home matches to kick off the Summit League season. So really just six games left before we get into conference play for Jeremiah Tiffin and the volleyball squad. They'll be looking really forward to uh, to playing at home. I mean, there's no doubt about it. So it, there's just a general excitement in that regard. And it's always fun to see uh, a few other teams too. So uh, so come on out, have a, have a great time at the Betty. It should be good. Seven on Friday, 11 on Saturday, and seven on Saturday night as well. Cross country also home this past week and a bit of a bit of a historic weekend for the men's and women's cross country team. The fighting Doporowski's making it happen out there at the Ron Pin Classic. The men and women both win the team events, individual winners as well on both sides with Jaden Keeler on the women's side. A great sprint to the finish. It sounded like one tenth of a second to nip one of the NDSU runners right at the ends. That's amazing. Uh, incredible stuff. Isn't it? That's amazing. Like uh, when you're you know, you're in the long haul sort of a race, but then it comes down to a sprint. Yeah. People who don't like track and field or don't necessarily like cross country might not get this, but that's one of the most exciting things in all of sports. When you're at the end 
of a long race like that, and there's a sprint to the finish, and it's that battle of wills, and who's got enough left in the tank, and it was awesome to see Jaden, who's just a freshman, come out on top to lead North Dakota, and the Women's 2 Team Championship, and then Patrick Akemboy, who won the cross-country championship last season in the Summit League, cross-country runner of the year in the conference, he also claimed individual honors as the men went 1-2-3, and were able to pick up a victory there. I believe it was the first time since 2006 that both the men and the women won their respective meets on the same day. So pretty cool. Kyle's doing a nice job there as the as the steward of that program as you look for a, a director of cross-country and track and field. Yeah, so um, and, and more to come on that. Obviously, we're working through that process pretty diligently right now. Um, but, you know, it, it, again, I think we would have made maybe different decisions along the way, per se, or, or asked uh, for, for various things. We just knew what we had in Kyle in, in regards to his, um, his expertise in, uh, in, in the cross world. But I, of course he would defer everything to the students. They're the ones that did it, right. They actually did it, but, uh, he's done a great job in that regard. And, uh, yeah, exciting for both teams to, to, uh, it's nice to break the tape, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, only one person gets to do it. And when <laughs> when that person's on your team, that makes you feel good. And for the team to have such success. And obviously, it was a small small invitational, just UND, NDSU, and Concordia taking part. But NDSU has been a powerhouse in the Summit League on both the men's and women's side in recent seasons. So to come out with wins. And we, we had talked, you know, uh, on the field at Holtz Arena before kickoff, we were talking about how great this was. And, and you know, there's always that caveat of, well, we don't, we don't know who all was running for the opposition, et cetera. But a win is a win. And that makes you feel good as they roll into Brookings next Friday to take on a number of teams in the Summit League at the SDSU Classic. A nice boost for this squad as they get into the season. Hey, so kudos uh, to our staff who uh, put the event on. Uh, Ray Richards was great. Kyle Myers did a great job who runs uh, Ray Richards. Uh, Eric Martinson and his group. Uh, Dick Clay came back to, to help us as well. And so um, it was great. Uh, and of course, Kyle, you know, he spent an inordinate amount of time in that regard as well. So uh, yeah, I we're, we're excited about that. With, with Ray Richards up and running right now, it's a great opportunity for both our golf programs and our cross country programs to, uh, to kind of have a home. Right. And so that's kind of a neat deal. So, uh, so more to come on that. We, we, we have kind of a vision and plans to even make uh, you know, that, that area even, you know, better moving forward, if you will, because uh, that's a really good uh, opportunity for these programs um, to, to, to have something that others don't have around the country. Yeah. It's awesome that it's back. It was a bummer when it went away, and I'm really thankful. I think we all are. If you if you love UND athletics, and I, I love golf or love cross country or love I, just just the fact that you've got this green space now that is being cultivated again and is being put to good use, that's that's a good thing. So excited for that group, and excited for again, excited for Kyle. One last note on this: I loved on the website as you're flipping through FightingHawks.com and reading about the cross country team's success, and they've got the slideshow at the top going through the different pictures, and there is Kyle running alongside one of the runners. I mean, that's, you know, it's just great. I just love his passion for this sport. And, and it, it's not a surprise that he's in there and that this team is having success. Really good stuff for them. Yeah. You know, and we were able to meet with, uh, we've, Karen and I, uh, and Steve Westering meet with all of our, uh, programs, uh, to do some, uh, kind of beginning of the year type information from, from my chair, from her chair, from uh sports med chair. And, uh, we met with, uh, 
track and field. Uh, it was last week. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, I, I mean, sometimes you, you get to learn outside of your sport and outside the classroom. And I kind of walked them through the process to, to hire, uh, you know, a coach. And, uh, you know, it just, you know, things happen sometimes, you know, interestingly, but you know what, it's how you adjust to them. And, you know, and Kyle's done a nice job adjusting. And obviously, uh, our student athletes did a great job this past weekend. And then they're on to Brookings this week. So uh, they, they head down to, uh, to South Dakota State, uh, and uh, they'll run again, and, and away we go. Yeah, good opportunity come Friday at the SDSU Classic. Then they get a weekend off, and then it's the Roy Griak Invitational in Minneapolis. So some, a big meet coming up uh, really three weeks from now that this team will be gearing up for before we get into a few more road trips before the Summit League Championships come later in October. Women's soccer was in action as well this past week. A couple of NSIC schools making their way to Grand Forks uh, after a few matches got canceled because of inclement weather. There's a hurricane or two blowing through the southeastern part of the country. So, you know, some things get shifted around a little bit. Uh, a bit of a lesser UND squad because of a number of different things took on Bemidji State. And they fell 2 to nothing in that contest, I believe, on Friday this past week. And then uh, 3 nothing shutout over Northern State to get one back on the uh, right side of things on the ledger. So... A little bit of a split between NSIC schools as, as this team moves forward. Yep. I, I, you know, it, it, uh, how should I say, provided some opportunity for us to uh, work through our protocols and to see what we have, uh, you know, as to what transpires. And, you know, and again, in this world that we live, you, you do uh, what you need to do uh, to make sure that everyone can be as safe as possible. And so, uh, you know, that was a, a little bit of a challenge for us against Bemidji. Um, but, you know, uh, I think the team bounced back against Northern uh, pretty well. So at the end of the day, um, yeah, split. And now we're, uh, you know, now we, we, we kind of continue to, to, to kind of move forward and uh, heading, heading towards conference play. Still a couple of weeks away. October 1st is the first conference date of the season. That'll be the next UND home game, by the way, as Kansas City comes to town. In the meantime, a couple of tough games against Power 5 schools. UND will go to Minnesota to take on the Gophers on Sunday. That game will be on BTN Plus, by the way, Sunday at 1 o'clock on September the 12th if you want to watch from the Twin Cities. And then it's a trip out to the Pacific Northwest the following week. Oregon State and Portland on the way on the 17th and 19th. Some really top, top programs that Chris Logan's squad is going to get to test themselves against in the next couple of weeks before conference play begins. Yep. I, no doubt about it. I think this gives you a chance now to really kind of figure out where you are as a program. And so, uh, and you know, Hey, uh, you know, depending stylistically, you just never know, you know, we, we may match up well. And, uh, um, and as we know, in that sport, Alex, if you can find a way to put one in the back of the net, you, you just never know. I mean, uh, so uh, I think a team would be excited about playing uh, those matches. Yeah, the Gophers have been traditionally a NCAA tournament team pretty much year in, year out for the last however many years. And we know Portland, we've, UND's played Portland State in recent seasons. That's always been a good matchup. And anytime you're playing a Pac-12 school in soccer, that's usually a pretty good test as well. So best of luck to Chris Logan and the girls as they take on some top, top teams in the next couple of weeks. That's pretty much the rundown of what's been going on around UND athletics. Anything else on your agenda, Bill, you want to chat about today before we flip over? I don't think so. I, you know, I want to make sure and get the venue conversation out there. I, I just, uh, I think it's important for us to be thinking, you know, oh, if I'm going to go watch UND play, you know, what, what does the venue that I'm going to require? And I think that's important for, for all of us to get, um, keep thinking about. So, so more to come on that. Uh, and we'll try to be as, uh, you know, thoughtful as possible as getting that information out. 
yeah, stay tuned. But again, great UND events coming this weekend at home to come check out with volleyball again on Friday and Saturday. Football at home the following week. A lot of good stuff to take in around Grand Forks as we really transition into an exciting time. Potato Bowl's coming up. It's, it's, it's a really, really fun time of year. So take advantage of that when our squads are in Grand Forks in the coming weeks. Yeah, I think the Potato Bowl um, hot dogs this year because of, I, I think, the, the concerns about, I, I will say, food <laughs> that is shared. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I think there's a, a thought process that the committee made that decision, and uh, I would say a, a correct one until we probably are able to uh, um, uh, afford uh, vaccinations for all of our population. I, I think, you know, that probably was a wise decision to put that one on, on a pause at this uh, for this upcoming year. Yeah. So in case you missed it, no French fry feed, but in, in place of that, yes, less, less shareable edible items, French fries, French fries are one of those things that everybody's just dipping their hands into, <laughs> into the same bucket. A hot dog is something you're not going to be sharing with someone. So probably a good choice. It's a little thing, but it's smart. We're just trying to think through how do we keep people safe and keep them healthy? And if we can take something off the table, literally off the table, that people are going to be, you know, potentially a little more at risk of transmitting something. It's probably a good thing. You know, Alex, I've got a sign that I stare at every single day and, and it says lower the likelihood, not prevent, mitigate risk, not eliminate, increase safety, not ensure. And I, I think those are the things that can help you through as you're trying to interact and do these things that, uh, you know, we certainly did prior to the pandemic. And, uh, and I think this is one of those measures. Yeah. And that's it. That's a good way to look at it. And that's a whole nother topic. But just to think about the fact that you're not going to completely eliminate or take away the, the risk you, you have to live your life in some sense, but you can also make little choices every day, whether that is just wearing a mask if you're in a big group of people or not sharing a, a beverage with somebody or those sorts of things. You can do a lot of simple things that can help keep you healthy and keep you safe that don't really affect your quality of life or affect your enjoyment of things. And that's that's a good way to look at it. Little things can make a big difference, certainly yep, in this fight. No doubt about it. So you you want and then and then you're right. It then it comes back to the individual to make the choice on yep. whether or not you want to engage in something or not. But I think but certainly if we're in positions to to help mitigate to some degree, I think that's 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 certainly a, a responsibility uh, on us to be able to do that. Yeah, I second that. Yes. Well, on that note, let's flip it over to the B side and chat about a couple of non-UND topics. A lot a lot of stuff. I feel like, again, we're doing these pods every other week now, and it seems like it's just right. I think it's just the right amount of stuff that builds up, but we got a lot to dig into. And I'm curious where you want to start, because we could go a lot of different directions. The NFL starts on Thursday, which is always fun. We had an international break. The U.S. men did not do so great over the last two weeks. Not a great time for the men's national team as they try and qualify for the World Cup. We had the Red Sox go through like incredible highs with these great walk-off wins to giving up six-run leads and losing an extra innings. And it's just the roller coaster. FIFA is proposing a biennial World Cup because why the heck not? Let's just do it every other year, apparently, because we need more money. What do you want to talk about here? What's first on your list? To me, that's the business of sport. And I, I, mm. I, I'm very interested in that. Like, how does that, like, there's some conversations that are, that have to be had by two governance bodies that are vying for the same people 
to be the product, right? And and how do you how do you juxtapose that? And so for for some of you that are not following, um, throughout I'll call it in American terms the regular season of the English Premier League, there's stoppages, and there are international stoppages, so that those players can go back and play for their home countries relative to maybe qualifying for the World Cup, or it could be a, a European championship that we saw just a few months ago or a month ago. So the reality of it is I, that's a tough one. I mean, uh, the team that that I follow has a couple players that were heading to South America, which were which is a hot spot. And if you're in England, um, it's the English government is certainly not excited that you potentially are going to a hotspot. And so with that, beyond that, it, when Argentina was playing Brazil, the game got stopped 10 minutes in because they sort of figured out that they were in England at one point and maybe didn't quarantine or do the isolation that you needed to do. So all that to be said, it's fascinating. So how would you play every other year? How would you qualify? How would that work? Yeah, it would be bonkers. Uh, let, we'll, we'll take this first, then we'll talk about that Brazil-Argentina thing, because that was crazy. So the plan, the proposed plan, would be that you would condense qualification. So ironically, Arsene Wenger, who's the former Arsenal manager, a, a legend, he was there for over two decades and won a lot of stuff, was a little bit maligned at the very end. But, you know, a very smart man that's that's pretty well respected around the game. He's sort of come out and has become kind of the figurehead for FIFA in this. He's probably being paid a lot of money. And his proposal, at least, or he's at least you know presenting this, is that you would take away this long qualifying cycle. So you would no longer have these interruptions. You, you would basically take away the September international break and the November international break. And there's usually one in January and then there's one in March. And he said, we, we would just do away with all that. We would condense it all. We would, we would take the players for a month, ran, whenever that would be. And you would qualify over that time. You'd play like a mini tournament, condensed schedule. And then those would be your teams. Whoever makes it out of that particular group, those are the teams that are in the World Cup. And then the next year, you'd play the competition. And then the next year, you'd have your little break to qualify. And then you do. And he said we would do this every other year. And you would do the same thing with the European Championships as well. And that would also mean Copa America and the uh, African Cup of Nations and the Asian Cup. And so every continent would be doing this basically all the time. So every summer, you would either have a World Cup or a continental competition and we're now it's every four years and players have already come out and said this is too much like too much we can't we need a break because these are high intensity fixtures obviously and it's it means everything to make it and i think it would it would dilute things a little bit of course if this is happening every two years and every summer this is this is a huge thing so there there are a lot of problems and i don't think it's going to happen but fifa is, seems seems to be set on this is what we're going to do and you all need to come on board so what you're what you're saying though is that on the years that you would have the world cup the off year you'd be qualifying for the world cup but you also would have your continental uh championships that's like, correct uh, too much it, it, you're fitting yeah. you're, you're trying to fit three things that only fits two things yeah so you would think of it as if you it, two months of the every year you'd have something you'd have a qualification and a competition every year so so 
<laughs> and the other and nine of the other months you're going to play your club competitions. So that means guys would get maybe three weeks or so, like a three week break. It's just not, it's not great. It's not a great thing. And it's not, yeah. it's not. And so, you know, I don't know where we are with this. I, 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 you know, I looked at a like Liverpool last year, needless to say, you had so much on the odometer with a, a bunch of those guys. You got injured. You got the injury bug. Of course you did. Yeah. Of course you did. obviously, I mean, once you make runs, multiple year runs, it's no different than, than what we see in basketball, right? Like a lot of these guys, uh, and then, you know, they turned around and played pretty quickly. Um, you know, uh, certainly many games. That's why playing the spring football season, I think, you know, going into that, kind of flipping it back to UND and slash the FCS, you know, when I was talking to Bubba, we were, totally down with looking at the next 18 months. It was not about the the spring football season in that three month window or four month window. Uh -uh. It was, it was thinking really longer about what you should be doing so that you give humans a break. Right. I mean, that's what you need to do. I I don't get it. Like I I truly don't get it. I mean um, it, it seems very selfish um i get it i get i get it's money but but it's selfish where you you've got to take care of of the players i mean and at the end of the day that is not happening right now the biggest arguments because again from a if you zoom out clearly it's a money grab like you're just trying to find ways to siphon more money and and make more cash for the sport if you're fifa they're sort of painting this as if fans don't want to see qualifiers or they don't want to see like all of these friendlies that don't really mean anything. They want more games that matter, which, which is true. I mean, that makes sense, I suppose, but is a game that matters, but only has like maybe 60% of the quality players. Cause the other 40% are hurt. Is that, does that really the spectacle that you're looking for or guys that are so burned out that they're just not hitting top gear like that's And especially too, you know, the fact that you've got this this jewel that is the World Cup that happens once every four years, and it's it's something you can really rally around and people travel and it's it's a it's basically it's like the UND hockey destination game in, in some sense. The novelty of it would kind of start to wear off and people would kind of stop going. It wouldn't quite be the same thing. Because while we, we did last year's, we're not gonna do this year. We just we just spent our money to go do this. We're not going to reinvest. It's going to be the same thing with the World Cup. Like you're literally going to kill the Golden Goose, and that's it's it's, it's interleague baseball. I mean, it's it, you know, and so I I don't know. I I just you know, even the Olympics. I think I've gotten maybe I'm older and I just can't keep up. But I just it feels like I can't keep up when they are anymore. It's it used to be four years and they kind of was in the summer and then the next winter or whatever, however that goes. And I, it was, I kind of got it. And then they did the, they flipped the winter in the, uh, in the summer. And I, I don't know, I'm, I'm just not there anymore. I, I don't know if I can catch up with the, all this, with the, with the soccer piece. And there's just too much, just too much. And there's pressure. Like, like the guy, the two guys that ended up leaving the Spurs team, uh, there's pressure to, to qualify because they want to qualify for Messi. And so they got this all time, you know, uh, legend that he's at the end of his career and they're afraid at 34, he's never going to, he's not going to, this is, might be his last cup to, 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 to win. So they feel the pressure to, to really go and do some things that who knows what they did 
to, to kind of get there and get on the pitch. And I, and so just, it's really weird to me, really odd. Yeah. That match. So that was a South American world cup qualifier. Comnebol is the name of the federation and it's Brazil, Argentina, which is the biggest soccer rivalry in the world. Really. There's none that quite compares in terms of scope and passion and population. And these two just absolutely hate each other and they're playing in Brazil and the match kicks off, and they get nine minutes in. And if you didn't see this, the scenes were incredible. Basically, medical officials come out onto the field and like call off the game because, as you said, four players from Argentina came from England and apparently had forged documents so they could get into Brazil. Because, again, you're going from one country to another that's a hot spot, then to another, and they kind of tried to fudge a few things to get and and they had to abandon the game. They were like, we're pulling these guys off and it's, it's not great. Two of those players, as you mentioned, are Spurs players. Cause again, Spurs didn't want to release them. That's part of it too. The English premier clubs basically said, we don't want to release these guys because they're going to have to quarantine for two weeks. When they get back, they're going to miss two or three games. Why are we going to let them go right now? This is crazy. And FIFA basically said, no, you got to let them go. You, You have to let them go. Otherwise the whole thing falls apart. There's so many bigger issues here of why we're even trying to do this, of getting people to travel all across the world right now when it's still in a, in a pandemic that is still very much real. It's, it's in, a little I'll crazy. call it pre-pandemic times. There wasn't this thing called quarantining, right? Like at some point. So, so you know, you may not be excited about your players going around the world to go play three matches like in, you know, a minute. Um, So at the end of the day, that probably is one piece just from a health standpoint. I think Sun did something to his, uh, I don't know, his, his leg or something and his qualifying. And so who knows if he'll be playing this weekend. And so anyways, all that to be said, um, you got that, just that piece of it, just the wear and tear on your body. But now you're right. You get back and you're, you're too, weeks uh, out and who knows if you're even able to train at that point. So it's kind of like going on the IL for a pitcher. I mean, if pitcher goes on an IL right now, they're 30 days minimum. Like you're not getting them back before a start. Like it's 30 days. You build the arm back up and all that stuff. Same here. Like, are they actually training or do they have to then go into training for another you know week or so? Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's all too much. It's all too much. And I, it, I think it's safe to say, Alex, truly, I don't think they can get it together because there's too much selfishness right now. Feels that way. You mentioned it earlier too. Last thing on this, just the vastly different agendas from FIFA, who's you know supposed to be the governing body of all of this, and specifically UEFA, the European group, who's the most powerful continental group in the world right now, completely opposite agendas. And you see UEFA speak out against totally. FIFA and the leadership just seems to be at odds. And it's so unique that, yeah, exactly. You've got someone who plays for in- for an English club like Tottenham who might be from Austria or Germany or might be from Argentina or Brazil or might be from wherever. And you're sort of divided within all these things, sort of the, these different confederations quote unquote own you a little bit, like have sort of ownership of... of what your career is and how complicated that is and club versus country and continent. It's messy. The whole thing is really messy. Well, I think, I think, I think what you're going to have to do, depending on what league, you know, your, your team is in and let's just call it the premier league at this point, you really are going to have to think through your roster composition. I mean, would you rather have European players, which makes it, 
I'll say it easier to play uh, for your country, you know, uh, because once you start introducing other players from other continents, it's going to be tricky because I think there's international break just because of the condensed nature of this, there's international breaks, I think in October and November as well. So this is, this is just the start of it. I'll be honest with you. Like I, I, the, the premier league is going to be really, uh, all the leagues are going to be interrupted this year. Yeah. Not to mention Africa cup of nations, which is going to take place in January this year. And all those play, like, for example, Mo Salah, Sadio Mane, they're all going to be gone for a month. And then next November, is the World Cup, and you're going to have this month-long interruption. What are we doing? This World Cup, I, we're I don't know. <laughs> what are we doing? We've made some decisions, uh, maybe for not the right reasons, uh, and uh, we're going to see the consequences of that yep. here in the coming months. It's not great. It's not great. You know what? You know what's not great either is the Red Sox defense. <laughs> uh, you know what they've been really good at though. Not being great. <laughs> that was always to be expected, though. Like, you know, when you downgrade certain positions, important positions like first base or certain positions in the outfield. And obviously losing Xander Bogarts midway through a game because of COVID at third, like that's, those are, un, you don't expect those things. And you're going to have to put it, people in those positions who aren't as talented as he is. And, and, and here's, drop off here, here's what's fair, in my opinion. When Kike's in center field, and Verdugo's in left, and Renfro's in right, that's a pretty good outfield. It is. When you have to move really a corner outfielder to center, that's a different position. And baseball has a way, the ball has a way to find you. <laughs> it does. It finds you. And it, it just, this weekend, how many times could it just find Verdugo perfectly where he doesn't know whether to play it off the wall or try to catch it. But even if you're going to try to catch it, it is awesome if you have people backing you up. But if you choose not to back up, you might end up in Williamsport where people just start circling the bases. In fact, <laughs> I saw better backups in Williamsport. Yeah, mm. It was not good. And ironically, they are the team that's playing there next year. I don't know if you knew that, but they're like this year, Trout and all those guys went there. Next year, it's ironically the Red Sox. Perfect. Red Sox. How about that? Perfect. Oh, Perfect. Yeah, cool. they should go there. It's uh, defensively, obviously, pitching has not been great lately either. Tough, tough time to pod right now. Again, they've lost three in a row, a couple heartbreakers to the Rays. They've given up more than 11 runs now for three games straight. After having a nice little stretch, they had one four in a row previous to this. The only silver lining in all this is at least the Yankees have been just as bad lately and have won like two of their last 10. And so the hot the hot summer of New York has now cooled a little bit into September. Your dream is still alive of the Sox-Yankees wild card. That's still in play right now. I have a sneaky play. suspicion it's going to go from the Red Sox-Yankees to the 1977 expansion game, Seattle-Toronto. Mm. So Jason Hashdu will be really excited about that particular matchup. Toronto's coming like a freight train right now. And uh, they have a scary lineup. They've won six in a row. Like I'm looking at the standings right now. They have a plus 140 run differential, which doesn't even seem possible to be a team that's only 13 games over 500 and have that much of a difference. Like, for example, the Yankees plus 39. The, the Sox plus 52. The Mariners, who are right behind Toronto, minus 56 in terms of run differential. And the Blue Jays are plus 140. They've won nine of their last 10 and six in a row. So there you go. 
coming on coming on strong here. It'll be an interesting next two weeks as we wind things down and get ready for the push for October. I believe we will be big Twins fans because I think they play the Jays a few times. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go, Twins. We're going to win. We're going to score. Come on. So be stay tuned to that. One last thing, and then we'll, then we'll get out of here, of course, on a Wednesday. Busy day today. NFL starts on Thursday. I always love to hear who your Super Bowl predictions are before the season gets started. If you were going to pick your AFC, your NFC team, who's going to represent those conferences in the big game this year, Bill, before things go, who would it be? Really good question. Haven't really thought about it too much, to, quite frankly, but off the cuff, uh, Buffalo Green Bay. Those are good picks. I think Green Bay, I think Green Bay uh, uh, comes back from whatever that was last year. And I think Buffalo's on the right trajectory. I I like their roster. Roster's pretty good. The Steelers have to start with them in Buffalo. That's going to be (laughs) 0-1. It's a tough, tough place to play. Yeah, that's tough start. Steelers should be better though this year. Should be should be better this season. A little more belief or no? More of the same. I don't know. I, I think um, obviously the Ravens are are uh, got beat up a little bit in the running back position, so they're they're really uh, they're struggling a little bit. It's a good question, Alex. I I think you know you know what you're going to get with the Ravens. You know they're they're consistent. I'll be interested to see if Cleveland with expectations. It, can they handle the expectations? I, I think they have as good a roster as anybody, really. I mean, but again, it depends on how well Mayfield plays. And then uh, the Bengals will be kind of a wild card out there. I, I, I wonder, I don't know what to expect from them. So I think the Steelers could win the division and they could finish fourth. Hmm. So I, I think it really, I, I, I think, you know, there's some, some divisions that you're just lucky that you get to play certain teams, you know, but, um, but like new England, I playing Buffalo twice will be difficult. Miami's not going to be uh, a cakewalk jets have to be better. I mean, I, I, I think they're retooling, but they, they can't be worse. I don't think they can't, they can't be worse. I don't know. I don't know if they'll be necessarily all that yeah. much better this year, but that, you know, Salah seems like a good coach. They'll they'll be better in the future. But. What about the Patriots? They've got their defense guys coming back, right? They had a lot of opt outs last year. They did, yeah. Getting Dante Hightower back is huge for them. Um, the signings they made, Matthew Judon, they, they spent a ton of money, obviously, on both sides of the ball. Stefan Gilmore's injury is a concern. He's out for the first six weeks. Uh, he's on pup right now because of a, it was a, a core injury, I think, that he's been dealing with. So that's a big miss. But Mac Jones is now the starting quarterback. I'm glad that I, I liked Cam actually a lot and was really excited for him to hopefully be healthy this year and maybe bounce back. But he just didn't look himself in preseason still and so I think they made the right decision just to say let's just move forward we've got our guy he's going to be the quarterback in the future why are we wasting time let's just get him back there he gives them a better chance to win yeah I, they, I th- they should be much better this I, and I think that I think it's a right assessment is that I, I don't think in the, his stage of his career right now I, I don't think he sees himself as a backup so I think you if you're going to go away from him being a starter you're probably better off just moving away from him and letting him have an opportunity somewhere else yeah I thought they handled it really well I, I feel like the Patriots don't always necessarily I think they do the right thing from a personnel standpoint mm-hmm. and what's best for the team and what's best for the franchise. They don't always do what's right by the player all the time, necessarily. It's kind of a... Bill. Bill's a little more cutthroat. You know, Bill's a little cold when it comes to those things. But I, I think this was a decision that made sense to Can. Now he can go and be free to pursue another opportunity to try and win a starting job potentially someplace or fill in if someone gets hurt right away. And it seemed like they did it well. Like they thanked him for his time. 
It was an amicable parting, and now they can move forward and, and both really, both he, the player and the franchise. He weirdly, the, the times that I've seen him play, he weirdly sometimes, I, he just seems like he, his shoulder never maybe had gotten to a point because sometimes he has some weird throws. I mean, just really weird. So. Uh, a lot of one hop slash yeah. Year and yeah. Just, yeah, just didn't seem comfortable back there. So we're max team now. We'll see how it goes. There you <laughs> they go. Have, they get the Dolphins. You play the Dolphins right away come Sunday. So are you down? Are you down in Miami? Miami? In Gillette. That that helps a lot. Helps a lot that it's in Gillette in September. I've seen a number of teams in front of cool zones in Miami, you know, not not doing so well. <laughs> it's a, That's been a house of horrors for New England over the years, even when the Dolphins have not been good. But yeah, good test to start on Sunday. And it'll be fun to have football back. I'm excited. It's always it's another fun thing about this time of year when you kick off the season and welcome something that it kind of ends up in your life for like four months or so every, every weekend. It's fun. It's that's right. Fun. Yeah, well, good. it sounds good. Well, hey, CBSS son, on Friday night, eight o'clock uh, central. Yeah, it should be great. Have a safe trip out there. I loved going with you to Pocatello. My son's being baptized this weekend, so I'm gonna I'm gonna stick around, maybe a little closer to home. But well, uh, looking forward to watching it on TV and seeing how this team does now in week number two against an FBS opponent. Well, best to the Heiner family this weekend. Yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah, thanks. It should be a lot of fun, and exciting times, and a cool cool weekend for our crew. So, on behalf of Bill Shaves, Cassie Niles, our producer, I'm Alex Heiner. Thanks again for listening. Enjoy all the UND athletics action coming up this weekend, and we'll talk to you soon.